All right, got it. It's all going. Right. Everything seems to be okay. All right. Well, here we are again. It's another end of the year episode here on the Cinema Discovery Project. I'm Stephen Billings, and as always, with me is Andrew Cabral. Man, what's up? What's up? I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah, it is technically an end of the year episode for Cinema Discovery Project, but we're all, we are already one month into a brand new year of 2021. This is our second episode of 2021, so uh, we are uh, playing with time a little bit, which which is yeah. kind of what we always do, anyways. Because time, yeah, we, what is time really? Yeah, we're we're not keeping up with most things new. You know, we just kind of just when it falls into place, it falls into place, but. We wanted to give ourselves a little more time to watch some of the films that we needed to catch up on because we're so busy and, you know, whatnot. But we, we were going to throw a little wrench in, in here. Today, we're actually going to have a guest. And I know this is weird because we like to just hog up all the sound space for ourselves. But um, we had him on one. He's our only guest we've ever had. Um, he was actually on this episode last time. Uh, so here he is again. Um, he likes to be called the man from the fourth row. Uh, he always wears a Boston Red Sox hat, and he he's from Florida. Dan Skip Allen is back. What's up, hey, man? Hey, man. I'm, I, you know, I am so glad to be uh, back with you guys. I miss you guys. Uh, we've, we've had so many great times discussing movies in the past, and I just can't can't say enough how glad I'm, I am back. I am glad to be back with you two guys, two guys I consider two of my good buddies. Yeah, we have to give uh, Dan all the credit because if it wasn't for Dan, we would have never met Andrew. Very true. Very, very yeah. true. He he's the uh, the the key part of our origin story. Jordan he's in our origin story. Where the, when they make the movie, you know. It's, yeah, it's... when they make the movie, who's <laughs> gonna play Dan? Well, I'm thinking we get somebody like uh, I'm thinking Matt Damon. Like, no, that's too Mark on the Wahlberg. nose. That's too on Mark the nose Wahlberg. with the Boston thing. I'm thinking like. Um, Somebody like uh, what's his name? Uh, Dennis Quaid. You look like Dennis, possibly Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Um, How about Casey Affleck? Oh Jesus Christ! You and Boston people. <laughs> I know. All right. Why don't you just take every single person from from Boston possible? Yeah. Would you like yeah, hey, Would you they, like they, Aaron they Smith to like do me. the soundtrack too? Aaron, yeah, that'd be good. I'll do that. You know, Aaron Taylor maybe. Aaron. Uh, What's his name? Stained that guy. Oh goodness! God, gracious. no! You don't want that. All right. <laughs> well, we're gonna get to, to, to business. Back, yeah, back to, to business. Um, so, from for, for the I don't do this enough, but if you guys you know are hearing this for the first time, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Podbean to get the audio for all this stuff. Go look at our previous episodes. We got tons of stuff. Usually on an episode, we would focus in on one movie. Um, so we 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 watch everything. We watch foreign films. We watch. Um, you know, recent films. We, you know, so go back, look at our old episodes. Let us know what you think. So from here, the way we're going to do our lists are is we're going to do three at a time. Um, we're going to start with Dan. We're going to go to me. And we're going to go to Andrew, and we're each going to say. Uh, I I like to say these are our favorite films from last year. I don't like to list things because in a sense of like one through. 10 but i do like to say what my favorite film of the year is so number one is my true number one but the rest of them are kind of like up in the air for me um so but we're gonna go three at a time starting with dan and then uh we'll get to the number one so i guess with and at the end we'll talk about honorable mentions so um anything else we need to bring up before we start no let's get into it let's get it on as they say um dan what is your number 10 my number ten is um, is basically a film that um, 
stars a young actress that, you know, she's had her ups and downs in her career, but I think really, I mean, this is probably the best performance of her life. And uh, that actress, her name is Carrie Mulligan, and the movie is called Promising Young Woman. Um, it's directed by Emerald Fennell and written by Emerald Fennell. And uh, I'll tell you what, there this is a statement about uh, college people and, and, and alcoholism and and, and uh, date rape drugs and stuff like that. And it, I'll tell you what, it really hit me over the head with like a brick because of just how real this problem is in America. And what it, I mean, it has, it has a great cast like Max uh, Greenfield, uh, uh, Adam Brody. I mean, it has a really good little supporting uh, cast in it. And, but the standout, is Carrie Mulligan. Uh, I, I just think she's phenomenal. Nope, there we lose Dan. She is... God, I'll take a look. Oh, no, there he is, but he's frozen. Oh. Who? I'm frozen? Oh, you're back now. Go ahead. Oh, oh okay. Um, no, the... the uh, I think she's got a legitimate shot at an Academy Award, uh, Carrie Mulligan. This, I mean, she's phenomenal in this film. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we might be talking about, maybe talking about that movie again later. Who knows? Um, so what's your number nine, Dan? My number nine is, you know, I love a good animated film that really can get you into it as far as how you can relate to the characters and the subject matter. And um, Soul, which is my number nine, it really talks about how... People are meant for things. And, and yeah, you might not like your job and you might not like your life, but sometimes there's places in the world for everybody and everybody's meant for something. And Soul really showed me that everybody is supposed to be where they're supposed to be. And they have a life that they were meant to have. And, and, don't try to be something you're not, you know, and it is such a beautiful, beautiful film. The layering, um, like of the New York scenes and stuff. I mean, just how believable the music, the jazz music that's in it and stuff. Um, great work by Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx as well. But uh, Pete Doctor, this guy can do no wrong. I, I have soul at number nine. Awesome. Awesome. And number seven, Dan. Or I'm sorry, number eight. Number eight, my number eight film of the year is another, uh, oh, well, this is a documentary. I'll tell you, over the years, I've really started to appreciate documentaries, and I've had some good ones this year. I've seen some real good ones, but this one, you know, you guys know I'm a huge sports fan. You guys are both sports fans as well, and you you used to hear this stuff on the news, and you're like, no, this can't be true. This, this is, but... This Dr. Larry Nasser, this guy that was a uh, doctor for these gymnast, gymnasts in the U.S. Gymnastics Association, there was all these reports coming out that he was working on these girls, but he was messing with them. And this documentary called Athlete A goes in-depth from the reporters in Indianapolis to the parents of certain girls 
to the people running U.S. gymnastics, to the, I mean, it, it, it goes the whole level. It doesn't just focus on one thing. You're getting multiple layers of reporting and interviews and, a doc, I mean, documented footage. I, I, I cannot say enough about how incredible this movie athlete a is and it is on netflix right now just like soul was on disney plus i highly if you if you i mean these are the kind of cutting edge stories that i want to know about yeah is it a little bit you get a little squeamish you do get a little squeamish you're like oh my god this guy messed with little high school girls teenage girls and it's like it's tough it's tough to to listen to some of the stuff that is going on and how culpable uh, the U.S. Gymnastics Association is in all of this. But Athlete A, I'm not going to give out the, the reason why the film is called Athlete A and l until you watch it. But yeah, wow, what a great documentary. Cool. Yeah, I mean, doc, I mean there's been a lot of great documentaries over the years. Um it's just hard to keep up with them, man. I've seen I've seen a few this year, and it, it, there's some great ones, but uh, that's one I need to watch. Um, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go into mine. Um, the first one I'm gonna talk about is one I saw not too long ago, um, and you could probably say, you know, I'm not sure if this will be on a lot of people's lists, but I found this to be a very enjoyable movie. I found it to be kind of a different. Um, a, a way of doing a certain genre that's been played over and over again, but doing it in a fun or a fun way. Um, and that is mixing the romance genre with the monster movie genre. And that is love and monsters. Um, starring Dylan O'Brien. Um, I really enjoyed the, the hell out of this movie. I thought, um, I, I think Dylan O'Brien's a guy that is starting to finally kind of grow out of that maze runner, uh, part of his career where he was, that was the first thing he really did that, that brought him, some notice and then now and then I think he got in an injury in the third movie that kind of set him back somewhat and then he did a couple other movies that haven't but now I, I just watched him in the first episode of that amazing stories that's on Apple TV he's good in that too um, and then there's this which I thought was really fun because um, I love a good monster movie and the way that they used that as kind of the backdrop for this kind of like quirky fun romance where he he's living in a world where there's monsters everywhere and everybody's kind of living underground. And he, he's kind of like in, with a group of people where he feels like he doesn't have a place. And so there's a girl we knew before all the shit went down that lives in another group, like across about, about, it's about 85 miles across just, you know, of course, desolate monster land, people, monsters roaming the, the, the land. So he decides that, he's going to go and find his love. So he goes and, and, and there's adventure ensues, you know, all the, all the, you know, he meets people along the way and it's, it's, it's a fun movie and I really enjoyed it. And that's my number 10. Um, yay. Um, so number nine is one I actually just watched literally before we got on this podcast mm -hmm. and uh, it's still sinking in for me. And it is the only animated film I have on my list and it is called Wolf Walkers. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it, it is, I watched it, it's on Apple TV right now, um, and this is some of the most gorgeous animation I've seen in, in a while. Uh, we don't get that hand-drawn animation much anymore, 
Um, and when we do, it's usually from Studio Ghibli. You know, they're the ones that kind of still, you know, continue that. But I, of course, I love what um, Leica does with the, the stop motion. Um, but there's something about hand drawn animation when it's done right. It's so beautiful, and I like. And it's like they they kind of. It's almost like hand drawn animation, like with watercolors. Like it's got this like like very smeary look to it and it's like almost low more lo-fi than some of the like disney hand-drawn animation but it looks so beautiful but it's it's kind of if if this wolfwalkers is basically the story of avatar but way better um you know it's about or you could say almost princess mononoke um where it's about basically this ancient society of wolves you know that you know that live in the in the forest that are being uh you know invaded upon by of course us terrible humans um and uh the gentrification i guess you could say of that what you know they want to just tear down their home and turn it into their home um so it's just a it's a i mean the only notable voice actor in the movie is i think sean bean plays the father of our main character um but it's just such a beautiful you know story it's a it's a simple story you know but it's so beautiful to watch. So I, I definitely recommend. I mean, Apple TV is only five dollars a month. You can probably run it. I don't know when it comes out on Blu-ray, but it's it's worth watching. And then my number seven is one I caught earlier last year um, on Amazon Prime. Um, I really I really enjoyed this movie, Uncle Frank. Um, Uncle Frank has Paul Bettany. It also stars the girl from the It movies, if I can remember her name. I don't have the cast list up right is now. That's uh, Sophia Lillis. Is that her name? Um, she's great. Um, and she was also in that Hansel and Gretel movie. Yeah, uh, I just watched the, that the other night. That's why. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That. I remember her name. Well, good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that's why. That's why I got. I got Andrew here. He's supporting me. <laughs> um, but uh, Uncle Frank's about this girl who's uh, their family. Fr- it's like, I think it's set maybe in the seventies, maybe. Um, but they're from the the South and. Paul Bettany's like from that part of that family. She basically is uh, the girl's uncle, and obviously by the title, and he's like lives in the city. He lives in New York, and she always knows she likes him, but doesn't know much about him. But every time he visits, he's she always loves talking to him. And come to find out, when she kind of surprise visits him because she she goes to college out in New York, um, she finds out that he's he's gay, and. It's kind of you know it always talk it, it deals with that idea of you know how he he needs to break the break him him being homosexual to his family and it deals with that and, and just Paul Bettany's performance you know he he goes from being very charming to being very distraught and and just all the in between and his partner in the film is also very funny and very very you know it's a very heartwarming tale um, of of acceptance and. And things like that. So, I, like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. Go check it out. That is my number eight. So, Andrew, now your turn. You finally nice. waited all this time. Best you're ten, for last. You're ten through eight. Nice. The best <laughs> for last. <clears throat> well, coincidentally, my number ten is also Dan's number ten, and which is Promising Young Woman. And I was telling uh, both Dan and Stephen before the show started that I watched this on December 31st to end the year. Um... And yeah, Promising Young Woman, like Dan said, stars honestly one of my favorite actresses, and I think one of the most underrated actress, actresses in Carrie Mulligan, and I've just always been a huge fan of hers. 
always been just a gigantic fan. I mean, she's been uh, she's been in movies like Never Let Me Go and Education, Shame, uh, Suffragette. Um, just so many really great films. Uh, Wildlife, which I think was Paul Dano's directorial debut. Uh, Mudbound. I mean, just so many great films. And I think she's an amazing actress. And like Dan said, this may be her best performance. And I, yeah, I don't doubt in my mind that she'll be nominated for best best lead actress. Will she win? I don't know because she hasn't won in the past. And this is this may be a tough year for her to win. But yeah, like Dan said, this is a film about just tackling um, a lot of uh, issues that plague our society when it comes to the roles uh, of uh, that men play when it comes to the abuses of women, whether it be psychological, physically. Um, and, you know, it really, it does kind of play on the, you know, youthful nature of recklessness of young men. But I think it can be really, you know, thematically stretched out to say all men because you know, these happen at every age. But yeah, it's a really harrowing film. And someone on Twitter described it to me. It's not a revenge fantasy film like the trailers would suggest it would be. It's a revenge reality film, which I thought was really, really more profound than a revenge fantasy film. But it's really, really good. And Carrie Mulligan is out of this world in it. And Bo Burnham, is who's also in it, is really, really good. And yeah, it, it has, it's a really great film. Um, and it's getting a lot of buzz for obvious reasons. But my number nine is uh, kind of a different film, but also dealing with a lot of, you know, d- deeply um, prominent and contemporary thematic themes. And that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which stars um, Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman. This is, I believe, Chadwick Boseman's last film that he's in. And he's getting a lot of awards buzz for it for obvious reasons because he's really really good in it. But this is a film that is that is set, I believe, in the nineteen twenties, and it and it is a based off of a play, I believe. And is it? Uh, yeah, it's August based Wilson. off of a pl- an August Wilson play. That's that's why I remembered it because August Wilson did a lot of plays about chronicling. Um, just African-American culture through the decades. If you've seen Fences from a few years ago, that was an August Wilson play. So it feels very play-like, and the dialogue and the acting and the staging is all really, really fantastic. And it's based on, I believe, a true story. Like, Ma Rainey actually existed, and she was actually a really prominent recording artist in the South. And this film kind of chronicles, like, her trying to get a record made um, but just kind of struggling against the racism of the time and the racism that still exists within the entertainment industry, you know, throughout the decades. It's really, really good. Viola Davis, once again, going for that Oscar nomination. <laughs> She's really great in this movie, as well as Chadwick Boseman. And this is a Netflix film, so you can watch this on Netflix if you want to. And it came out quite late last year. It came out in December, so we had to wait a pretty long for it. Um... And the next film is actually it really one. When I watched it, it instantly became one of my favorite films. And it is a foreign film, and it is another round, uh, starring one of my yet again one of my favorites in Mads Mikkelsen. Um, and this film is directed by Thomas uh, Vinterberg, Vinterberg, who did the movie um, The Hunt for a few years ago, starring Mads Mikkelsen as well. So they have a good working relationship. And the premise of this movie I just find fascinating. Because it's kind of, it's kind of a dark comedy, but also kind of a tragic drama as well. 
Um, basically, four friends who are all high school teachers, including um, Mads Mickelson, decide that they're going to kind of be consistently drunk throughout the day, you know, but at a very low blood alcohol level because they have, they they read somewhere that some philosopher or somebody said that, you know, humans are supposed to have like a certain blood alcohol, con- uh, you know, content to be, to be like fully functional or normally functional or whatever. But of course that leads to then pushing the envelopes further and further. And what you get is kind of a, just look of everyone's kind of existential self-destructive crisis that they're having. And it's really fantastic. And the ending of this movie is so euphoric and catharsis. And it's just a scene that I play over and over again. But Mads Mikkelsen is is kind of the one that really uh, the story focuses on the most. But it bounces around a little bit. But he's the one that really gets a lot of playtime. And he's really good in the film. Really fantastic. Um, so I highly recommend the film. I, I think it's a Danish film, I want to say. Yeah, Danish, yeah. Yeah, it's a Danish film. So that's my 10 through 8. eight. eight. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Dan, number 7. Um, my number 7 is a film that I saw back in November. It didn't come out till January 15th. Uh, it's an Amazon uh, Prime movie. Um, it's directed by Regina King and stars Kingsley Ben-Adare, um, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, Eli Gore, and uh, oh god, I'm, I'm missing one of the one of the people. I hate I hate not getting people's it's names. Like Sam Aldous Cook, Hodge. Sam Cook, Aldous, Aldous Hodge, Aldous Hodge. They play Malcolm X, Sam Cook, Muhammad Ali, and Jim Brown. And after a fight in Miami between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston, they go to a hotel room organized by Malcolm X. And it's a four-man discussion, basically, on the civil rights movement in America and their place as celebrities in this movement, in, in the uh, civil rights movement and so forth. And it, it is such a great film when you can just get a camera work that just goes and you see these four guys moving around, you see them arguing with each other you see them having existential crisis within themselves and it does go back and 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 it has a little bit of back and forth between like some of the characters uh personal lives and so forth because they all are huge huge celebrities at the time for the black community and i'll tell you um Leslie Odom Jr. really stood out for me, but the one that really, really stood out for me was Kingsley Benadare as Malcolm X. This guy was phenomenal as Malcolm X. I mean, a lot of people are comparing him to Denzel Washington. He's doing a different, a little bit slightly different um, Malcolm X, but I thought he was fantastic in this film. And I thought Regina King, wow, what a, what a. This lady, I mean, she wins an Emmy for Watchmen. She wins an Oscar for If Beale Street Could Talk. Now she's going to get nominated for another Academy Award for director. This lady's on fire right now. Yeah, so that's my number seven. One Night in Miami. All right, number six. Number six um, is another uh, film that I saw that, I mean, look, Andrew talks about a, a film dealing with alcohol 
uh, is a, but this is a film to me when I saw it, it hit home for me. It reminded me of basically myself. And it was like an amalgamation of a coach, a basketball coach that I knew, a very good friend of mine, and myself combined into one person. And um, it's called The Way Back with uh, Ben Affleck as this kind of construction worker goes home and he gets, he gets schlossed every night until uh, a priest at his old school comes to him and he says, hey, um, we need a new basketball coach and they you got to stop you got to kind of stop drinking though you got you you can't keep doing this to yourself this needs to be because you can't be around these kids you can't be doing this stuff and so forth and so he becomes the basketball coach of his old high school and um i tell you what he also meets a girl and a woman in, in in the process uh played by uh janina gavankar you might know her from some video games if you play some video games. She's voiceover in some video games. But it really talks about alcoholism and then the cost it it it, it does on people's lives and, and how how it could really ruin your life. And this movie was just an absolute uh, great, great film for me personally. You know, and people, oh, it's a, it's cliche. It's a cliche. No, well, hey, one man's cliche is one man's freaking another man's like great film. So there you go. Um, yeah. So I had number six. Well, they're, they're, they're cliches for a reason. I mean, they they work. Um, I like the film okay, but it, it you know, we knew you, we it. knew you can't help yourself. You're Boston guy, um, and it's a sports movie, so it doesn't take much for you um, to put that on your list. Um, but. I also was an alcoholic, <laughs> so I could really relate to it. And I'm seven well, years you know, sober so, now. Some people like to be reminded of their downfalls and other people, right. you know. <laughs> Coincident- in, Coincidentally, I think that was the last movie I saw in in a, in a theater. Yeah. That was, that was the last one I saw, which is I coming think up the last year now. Yeah, I think the last thing I saw, well, before we kind of reopened, because in North Carolina – We've uh, reopened theaters to an extent, but uh, before that, I think the last movie at the beginning of the pandemic was uh, The Hunt. I saw The Hunt, um, and yep. then I think like seven months later, I saw – I can't even remember what the first thing I saw when I Tenet. went back. Tenet. Yeah. You saw seven months later. Uh, yeah, Tenet. I did see – you're right. I saw Tenet <laughs> when I came back, but yes. um, yeah, but, cool. Yeah, number your number five? Or six. Yeah, was six. That? Uh yeah, so seven. I did two. So seven, seven six, was... and now we're on your five. Oh, yeah. yeah, yep. Um, I'll tell you what. You know, sometimes, sometimes you see movies and they have a subject matter, and you say, "Oh man, that subject matter seems like it's a little rough." I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch a movie about that subject matter. But when you're watching a movie that is this good, with basically unknown actors dealing with a really, really tough subject matter. And it is just so well done. You just can't not be like blown away by it. And and the film um, is called Never Really, Sometimes, Always. And it deals with a girl, a high school, like an eighteen-year-old girl who basically, a seventeen-year-old girl who basically gets pregnant, and her and her friend Skyler embark on a trip from where they live in Pennsylvania to New York to get an abortion and 
they meet a guy in New York. And so, but it really talks about what, what um, trying to give up your child that's inside your stomach is, uh, is it really a child? Do you really understand what you're doing? Um, and, and that's where the title comes from. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Because she has to answer a whole questionnaire about is she doing the right thing? Does she really know what she's doing? And what she's thinking about in her life and what the future of her life could be. Whereas she has to take care of a child at the age of 17 or so forth. And I'll tell you what, I mean, this movie was incredible. Uh, the, the lead actress, I can't think of her name right now, uh, is amazing in it. And um, these are the kind of films I want to see. Yeah. Is it kind of a squeamish film to deal with? A subject matter like abortion? Sure it is. But hey, this is, this is what movies are for. And that's why uh, I just had, I mean, just thought it was an amazing, amazing movie. Never really, sometimes, always. You know, I actually watched this movie uh, today also. Um, I will say it, I, it just didn't make my list. I really enjoyed it also. Um, I will say that if you want to watch an actual an actual squeamish version of that movie, watch four months, three weeks, and two days. That one's a lot more harsher version of this movie because um, that one's set in Romania where it's illegal to get an abortion and they have to sneak around and do it. And pro- yeah, that movie's rough. This movie is pretty – it's got its moments, but it's, um, you know, it's definitely about how, it, it, how unsimple it is. You know, having a, getting an abortion isn't a simple choice. You know whether whether the, though the, the questionnaire tries to make it seem simple, um, it's not simple. And I think that's the point: is that you know you can't narrow down deciding to have an abortion to th- four options. It's not that easy. But uh, it, it, yeah, it's an interesting movie. Um, and obviously, I'm not a woman, so it's just. But it doesn't mean I can't respect a movie about something that's sensitive. Of course, to, to women. of course, definitely. Um, all right. Well, I guess we're to me. Uh, mm-hmm. My number seven. Uh, this is one that was very. I was very uh, interested to watch this one when I heard about it because not only because the lead actor, but because uh, it involves music, uh, and I'm a musician. Um, this is a movie called Sound of Metal, um, and it's about this you know, metalhead uh, played by Riz Ahmed who. Um, starts to slow, basically loses most of his hearing, um, in an initial, like just out of nowhere. Um, he's, you know, in a heavy metal band. So, and he's a drummer, so it's a lot of loud sounds and, you know, because of, I guess his, uh, neglect, neglectfulness, he now loses almost, I think it was like 80% of his, like it was almost everything. Um, and that basically he was going to go completely deaf and no, you know, and, and sooner rather than later. So he then has to kind of basically learn instead of trying to, you know, think about what he can do to fix it. He has to learn to become, to live with it. And that's what kind of the movie is about is about how people spend a lot of time trying to fix something that when they should be trying to, you know, learn how to live with something that maybe is out of their control. You know, they, um, you know, he's very passionate about his music in the, in the film, obviously, but, he has to know that he can't do it the same way. He can't live life the same way he can before it's over. 
And it's about him accepting that and trying to make the best of what he has, which in the film, he has a girlfriend um, that he's really into. I can't remember who she's played by. Olivia Cook. Olivia Cook, yes, from uh, Ready Player One. She's in there. Um, And so, you know, you deal with, you know, he deals with that and how that's going to affect that relationship. And it's, for me, it's just, it's, to think about how if I say I lost my sight um, and I couldn't really be a filmmaker anymore, you know, I couldn't make stuff. I couldn't watch movies. Um, I had to hear just hear movies. It makes me think about that and how if I lost that, how hard that would be and how frustrating that would be. And so that's where it really hit home for me for, with this movie. And I and I and Riz Ahmed's performance is amazing. He's he's always been an actor I've been interested in since he he was uh, supporting and. Nightcrawler, um, I've always wanted to see him do more and more, and he he's he's great. So, and Paul Racy, uh, Paul Racy too. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. What a revelation he is in this. Um, moving to my number six. This one is, I was, it's probably I have a feeling this one's going to be higher on your guys' lists. I put I, it's the middle, it's about middle of the road for me. I really, I really thought this was a very beautiful film. Um, and some of the best performances, uh, probably one of the best performances of the year in this movie, and that's Nom- uh, Nomadland. Um, you got Frances McDormand, who uh, basically has decided to kind of leave her life behind and live on the road as a as a nomad. And um, this movie's directed by Chloe Zhao, who I think did what the writer. Yeah. Yeah, um, a few years ago, and that got some buzz. Didn't necessarily make it into the award season too much, but it was a great film. And um, so, yeah, th- th- this it just there's kind of a zen quality to this movie. It's a very meditative movie, um, and it's one of the movies you can't really necessarily, you know, describe. It's one of the movies you got to experience. Um, but I thought it was just so beautifully acted and. It's one of them things where it's like you watch it and it's like, I kind of feel like doing what she's doing, you know? I would love to just leave it all behind um, and and go out on the road and kind of just live day to day, kind of like looking at things differently, you know, not just like worrying about paying the bills or going to my job or, you know, she has to work a job just to maintain what she's doing, but it's not like so beholden to her as it would be most people, you know, she's got to pay, get make enough money to keep gas in her car or whatever it is, you know? Um, but it's such a beautifully acted film and beautifully directed film. It's, it's a must see. And that's my number five or my number six, I think. Yeah. Six. And then my number five is one that Andrew just talked about. Uh, another round. Nice. Uh, I thought this was, such a it, it's it, like you said it's it's a comedy but it's also kind of a tragedy uh i but for the most part i found this to be a very joyous movie um and if you think about the plot from just just like a kind of like a standard like a just a, the borderline standpoint it's it's like you make this in america this is just like made with seth rogan and uh you know you know it, it comes off as like not genuine at all and just like slapsticky and stupid but because this was made with, uh, you know, <laughs> top-notch actors, uh, the premise came off with a little bit more sincerity where these guys are just like, we're going to drink 
we're gonna stay drunk and we're gonna we're gonna be higher you know our function's gonna be higher you know this you got um mads mickelson who's playing this guy who's kind of like gotten i guess you know complacent with his life you know he's he doesn't have a lot of happiness anymore he kind of just is just going through the motions and then his friends kind of bring him into the fold to do this experiment and now he's like more happy as a teacher and and being a better husband and i think i think the movie you know uses that you know that scenario to to help bring an awakening awakening to all the main characters all of them react to this experiment differently um and mads mickelson of course comes out of it out the other end the best probably um because he actually is able to salvage some of it you know at the end or at least there's hope at the end um but i think this is just one of the movies like you said the ending um really leaves you at a in a, in a kind of like a, a, a euphoria or a, a hopefulness um though there's a lot of bad things that happen in the movie you feel good at the end because we we've actually learned something um about ourselves <laughs> so the characters all learn something about themselves so Another Round is a great film. I think you can rent it on Amazon. I think that's where I rented it. Um, so, yeah, check it out. So now we're back to Andrew, who's nice. at his number seven. Nice. My number seven, your number seven, are exactly the same. That is Sound of Metal. Um, when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, this looks very much something I want to see. And then I, and then when it dropped on Amazon in early December, um, I watched it, and, yeah, I loved it. I still love it. It's it, it, like you said, Riz Ahmed is fantastic in it. Olivia Cook is in it for a little bit, but she's also fantastic in it. But Paul Racy, who, who brings kind of Riz Ahmed's character into the world of, for the lack of a better term, you know, the function people who um, are trying to live with being deaf and, you know, trying to exist uh, with, with that you know, as part of their lives, really fantastic. But I thought Riz Ahmed, this was one of Riz Ahmed's best performances, and he's a fantastic actor. I think he's been kind of slowly climbing up over the last few years, um, being in being in a few films, you know, kind of breaking out in Nightcrawler back in 2014, and then, of course, he was also in um, The Night Of, that miniseries on HBO, which was really fantastic. And then his career's kind of, he's kind of disappeared a little bit, but he's, he's back in a big bad way. And he's, he's really good in this film. And I think he'll be nominated as well. And I really love, I really love his kind of almost delusional existential journey. Because he's trying to both, you know, adjust to this new part of his life and, and, and and he's not quite realizing that this is not something that it, you know, that his life is no longer the same as it was before. He's trying to keep like a you know one foot in both worlds, you know, back in his old life and also like trying to live in this new life. And he's he's kind of a man torn between both worlds. And it's very interesting where he ends up in this film and the kind of realizations he has to come to. I thought were were really revelatory. Um, but the next film, my number six, is uh, Spike Lee's new film, *The Five Bloods*, which was on, uh, which is a film from Netflix. Netflix is really kind of pushing it this year when it comes to um, their movies and just award circuit movies. They're really like heavily, heavily 
getting a lot of nominations this year. And I've always been a fan of Spike Lee. I mean, his last film, Black Klansman, was one of my favorite films of the year when it came out. That was an amazing film. Probably should have won Best Picture over a Green Book, but that's a different story for a different time. Um, but this is his new film, and this film uh, stars a really great cast. Uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, Jonathan Majors, the late you know Chadwick Boseman's in this film. And it's about these old Vietnam veterans who are going back to Vietnam, you know, years and decades later, um, to not only pay tribute to their fallen comrade soldier, but also they left uh, they left a bunch of gold behind apparently when they were there, when they were there, and so they tried to go and retrieve that. And that that premise kind of sounds odd on paper, like it's a treasure hunt in Vietnam. Yeah, it's like it's like Goonies or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like something interesting. But what it ends up being is yet again another existential journey for these guys who you know, live through such horrific times in their youth. And they have to kind of, like, not only, like, relive, but they go back to the same places that they were back then in this completely different world. And Delroy Lindo is amazing in this movie, dealing with PTSD and stuff like that. And I've always thought Delroy Lindo was just an underrated kind of character actor. And he's been around for a really long time like he has a lot of credits to his name i always remember him in get shorty that's always one of my favorite kind of character actor roles uh for him uh favorite from from me but yeah i think the five bloods is really good and i think spike lee i love his stylization it can be a little bit much at times but i really like the way he kind of incorporated old vietnam war footage in the way he made it look uh the, the way he utilize the aspect ratio in filming those scenes versus the modern scenes and the lighting and the coloring and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just, I, I really love The Five Bloods. Um, but my number five is um, a movie I don't see on a lot of people's um, favorite lists, or at least a lot of articles that I read, and that is Sorry We Missed You. And this is a movie I saw way back early on this year. And it was actually, like, my favorite movie for the longest time. Um, and, yeah, because it came out back in March. That's how long this movie has been, was came out. And this is a Ken Loach film. And the reason why I bring that up is because Ken Loach is kind of a famous, um, like, British, you know, uh, British um, director, filmmaker. And his films deal a lot with... Uh, like political strife and very political films about the common people and their struggle really against kind of a government bureaucracy and just like society in general. And his films go back for, for decades. I mean, he's done films um, like I, Daniel Blake, which came out a few years ago. That was a really great film. The Wind That Shakes the Barley, I think won a Palm Door back in the 2000s. And he's been a director that I've known of for a long time. Because I had a film professor in college who was British, and he just showed us all British films. <laughs> and I think Ken <laughs> Loach, or John Sayles, was like his favorite um, uh, director. So he just like kind of introduced us to English films. I've always known Ken Loach, and he's been around for decades. I want to say, yeah, Ken Loach did the movie Kess back in back in hmm. the '60s. So he was part of kind of like that. It was a whole. Um, kind of movement in the 60s, kind of British New Wave movement with Ken Loach and a bunch of other um, people. I think like John Frankenheimer may have been in there, but yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a whole thing. Or yeah, it, it was a whole movement, but he's been around for decades and I really love this movie. It's about basically a family in England trying to survive financially and just having to deal with the 
the you know problems of that there's this father who's trying to start his own delivery business he's trying to get his own his own delivery truck and but he's trying to like deliver for an amazon type company or maybe it is actually amazon and just dealing with just the machine of the modern working man and the modern industry and business and how it just beats you down and treats you like you're just a machine like you're just nothing and you see all of these you know see um you know CNN or 60 Minutes uh, specials about like the Amazon factories and how people like literally drop dead and people just continue on working or things like that and it just really kind of really leans into that so yeah that's sorry we, sorry we missed you is my yeah I, yeah I really like that one too it just missed my list too um it, it seems to be um one of the big um thematic points uh, in recent years is is uh, movies about um, the strife of the working class you know like like I the, the movie that comes to mind for me that I really love is um, Sorry to Bother You um, to me is the ultimate of that because it literalizes a lot of the, the things we think about when we think about people that are uh, kind of stuck in the machine um, and are literal workhorses <laughs> I don't want to give away the ending of that movie but nice. um yeah but uh I yeah I really enjoyed well <laughs> I wouldn't say enjoyed but I really like sorry to bother you um or sorry to bother, uh, sorry I missed you because it, it it is very uh you know I work in a kind of a worky job like that where I uh, feel like they think I'm a machine um working for Pepsi so yeah it it, 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 it feels the same way sometimes yeah, yeah. so uh, I I I like that movie as well I saw it I had it on my top 10 list for a long long time and i i completely agree with what you're saying uh steven yeah all right well that that was your number five right yes it was all right so now we're heading back up to dan for his number four four through two well there's not a whole lot there's not a whole lot i could say about this one that you guys haven't already said but i will uh i will reiterate that i love mad mads mickelson and i loved his uh, character arc in the film. But I will say that, you know, uh, going back to a little bit what I was talking about in the way back, that alcoholism just doesn't do anything to help anybody. All it does is hurt people, hurt family members, hurt uh, loved ones. Uh, in this case, hurt your job. And I live, I basically lived this life for quite a while in my life and and it was not a fun experience for me to be going to work and being drunk and waking up hungover and and uh and i thought this is one of the best portrayals of this subject matter um that i had ever seen in 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 both both movies the way back in, in another round really deal with alcoholism on a real visceral level and it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks how painful this can be to people involved in your life and uh, just it's just not it doesn't do anything good for you uh, being an alcoholic and uh, the experiment to me was they should never have done it uh, because it was going to go down a dead end road and that's what happens um, when you do this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I hear also that the culture in Denmark is a very highly high drinking culture. So that's kind of what they were talking about also in the movie is that 
you know, kind of uh, giving a little bit of a highlight of what goes on over there and how people, you know, because, you know, the drinking age is pretty young there. Um, so you got kids in high school drinking like adults. Um, so, I, you know, I think they're also kind of highlighting that there might be a, a, an issue when it comes to the alcohol consumption in that country. But, you know. Yeah, an epidemic. Yeah, maybe. But all right, cool. So, uh, so was, another uh, round was your number four, number yeah. three. My number three um, is a, is a film that I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but I I just when I saw it I was it's a long film it's like a three hour long film. The star of the film is a little boy, and um, he basically gets abandoned in the um, kind of in the surrounding. Um, war that is going on in world war ii and in poland and so forth and there's a lot of really good character actors uh that are in the film that you know people like stellan skarsgård people like barry pepper people like harvey keitel but the main star is a little boy who's just basically kind of going through his life going from person to person to person, going through situations from situations to situation. And um, it is an absolute phenomenal film. It's a Polish film called The Painted Bird. And uh, it's black and white. It's beautifully filmed. It just, it just hit me so hard how tough life was during this time especially if you're, you know, Jewish or whatever um, during this period and how nasty and how mean and how just awful the, the German people were back then. And, and this kid just ends up, end up with one bad person after another, one person that took advantage of him or one whatever, and uh, into one rough situation after another. And it just, it is just such a, beautiful movie and, and such an awful movie at the same time from what this little boy goes through um, I, I, I I can't say enough how I think especially you guys I think you guys would really get a lot out of uh, The Painted Bird yeah it's one I, I just never got around to unfortunately uh, it looks like Andrew didn't either <laughs> no no but I've heard of it yeah, I didn't know it was three hours long until you just said that, but I did. I have heard of that movie. Yeah. All right. Well, we're down to number two, Dan. What you got? My Boy. number two is another Netflix movie. I mean, I mean, Netflix has had a great, great year. I mean, when a lot of look, a lot of streaming services have had a lot of movies come out, but Netflix is the one that really consistently every month, every few weeks, we're putting out a new movie. But the really the first big one that they put out in my opinion, is the best one they put out in that entire stretch of all the movies that they put out in the last, you know, September, October, November, and December. And that's called Trial of the Chicago 7. And it's directed by Aaron Sorkin. And it basically deals with this, um, this rioting that was going on in Chicago during the uh, 1969 or, uh, or 70... Um, Democratic convention and Mayor Daley was not going to let any kind of negative thing go on around or near the 
convention and the the film focuses on about seven different guys uh, and uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen um, uh, John Carroll Lynch uh, 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 oh god uh, Eddie Redmayne uh, Sasha Baron Cohen um, what's the guy from Succession, Succession? Um, Jeremy Strong are, are some of the guys and um, it focuses on a lawyer played by Mark Rylance and a judge played by Frank Langella and this trial is basically a fiasco of a trial because these guys were they didn't do anything wrong and they, but they were trying to railroad these guys and to make them out to be these bad guys all they were there is to protest some stuff that was going on in Vietnam and some you know some civil rights issues and so forth um, and they all had different sides they weren't even on all the same side of this of these issues and that I tell you, Aaron Sorkin is a master of the script, and his the dialogue is just so amazing by so many of these people: Mark Ryland, Sacha Baron Cohen, Franklin Joe. I mean, and then there's like guest appearances by like Michael Keaton and stuff. But yeah, I uh, I, I just absolutely loved uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and I think Aaron Sorkin, what a great great job follow up from Molly's Game. Yeah, once again, another one I never got around to. I mean, if I could only have the time that Dan apparently has to watch all these movies, <laughs> my list could be different, but who knows? Um, all right, well, now back to me. Um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> my number four is one that I just couldn't keep off the list. It, it just it had to be on here because this movie is my kind of jam, um, as uh, Alicia Malone would say. Um this movie's my jam. Um, it is from the son of probably my favorite director. He knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> it is called Possessor. Um, this is from David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. Um, this is not his first film. I think he's done maybe one or two other films before this, but um, this to me is his, like, this is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is a movie about uh, kind of, uh, this is about an assassin. Um, it gets hired by corporations uh, to take out the competition, and the way they do it is, is she basically, ins you know, uh, inserts her mind into somebody else's body and kills for you know. And this movie, you know, if you're into surrealistic filmmaking or you know anything like that, this is going to have some of that in there. It's also got a lot of uh, violent images that you're, you know, maybe you would be, you know, if you're into Cronenberg, you you would you would recognize that. This is where he got his influence from his own dad. Um, but there are some disturbing things in this movie, but it's also a very beautiful film um, visually. And um, I'm just into these dark movies like this uh, that, you know, you really have to spend time thinking about what does that mean? <laughs> you know, um, but there's just no way I couldn't keep – there's so many disturbing images uh, in this movie that I just could I, I, I'm fascinated by this movie I can't wait to watch it again because I got it on 4k so uh, I can't wait to watch it again and um yeah Christopher really Abbott Christopher Abbott is in it and I'll tell you what this is yes a, a young actor that is really starting to come into his own I just saw two films with him in it from uh, Sundance and he's really good okay 
and uh, you know Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. She plays kind of like the uh, I guess you could say the leader, the 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 main agent that she the main character works for. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a very interesting surreal film that I I uh, I just I'm fascinated by. So I had to put it on the list somewhere. Um, so my number three um, is one that is very very far back near the beginning of the year, and you know it, it it's I would say it's probably one of the biggest movies of last year uh, that kind of stayed in people's conscience that through throughout the year, and that's the Invisible Man. Um, I think. You know, this is the, you know, if they they were ever going to actually do a universal monster universe, um, this is how you do it. You make them small, make them intimate films, and then somehow figure out a way to connect them in small ways. Um, We don't know if they're going to still do that or not, but I can tell you if this is the beginning of it, they did one hell of a job. Because, uh, first of all, you know, they decided to take the story in a different direction. They didn't make it the cli- the not cliche, but the original Invisible Man story, where you have you kind of get it from the actual Invisible Man's point of view. Um, you turn you, you they take the idea of somebody being invisible, and that is what the horror is. Um, and of course, on top of that, you add the the thematic stuff of of women abuse and you know kind of following a woman trying to get away from that abuse is just suspenseful and thrilling and horrifying and and they did one hell of a job with this movie um it, and the 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 intensity of what they do when they just look at empty there's just literal frames of this movie where there's just nobody there cuz you're just like is he there is the invisible man there is he not there i don't know you know, you're looking for any clues, like they, and you know, Elizabeth Moss is just, she just continues to be an impressive actress, um, and I always am interested in what she's going to do next. So, uh, Invisible Man uh, is my number three. It's one I've watched a few times since I've had it, so it's I, I had to be on the list because to me, rewatchability is always uh, pretty key when it comes to these favorites lists. Um, that latter scene was so just suspenseful. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's so simple, but they just they 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 knew how to get you at the right moments. Um, and now to my number two. My number two is one that it was hard not to put. It was it was easy to put on the list because it it, it involves one of my kind of one of my kind of up and rising favorite actors, um, and it's. It's the type of movie that I kind of really kind of enjoy, the kind of slice of life type of movie, um, and it's the movie called Minari. Um, Stephen Yen plays this father who's trying to come to you know he he moves to I think what is it? It's in Arkansas. Middle America, Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. Um, they were living in California. Uh, I think this is set in the eighties, and. He's trying to start a new life for his family by basically growing uh, Korean, you know, vegetables, and you know he wants to start his own business. Basically, start his start a farm and and really provide for his family. And you know, the movie's just about him trying to to get it to to provide and how hard it is sometimes to make your own way. And you know, it, 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 especially in today's world, it's easy to just fall in to 
corporate America. You know, you, you go get a job somewhere where everybody else works and that's what you do. This guy's trying to make his own way and it's not easy. You know, even his wife has a hard time supporting him and that's tough. I mean, it, and, and I think, um, it, it just really shows a, a really real, um, look at, at what that's like. And also how there's beautiful moments and, you know, between all of the, the, the stress, um, there's, um, what's his name? Will Patton. Yeah. Yeah. His character in the movies is, 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 is hilarious. And also, um, Eugene, uh, Eugene something or other. Yeah. Eugene, Eugene maybe. I don't, I don't know. Eugene but something. He, but he comes in, he's like, he's a, just a random guy that decides to help, uh, Stephen Yen's character with his farm. And he's just kind of gives him a pr- different perspective, of of life um as he's trying to make it and it's it's just a beautiful film i you know i know i I have a feeling maybe somebody else is going to talk about this movie i don't know i can't say for sure but i don't want to say anymore it's just a great film um and you should check it out so andrew your turn oh good wake up wake up i'm back i'm Ah. back uh so my number four is that what we're doing yeah my number Mm -hmm. four is uh one night in miami which Dan already talked about. How can you only spend one night in Miami? Jeez, I don't know. They did it apparently. But like, uh, like Dan said, this this is really a fantastic, just phenomenal film. Um, yeah, just getting these four like, just gigantic titans of you know historical weight as well as just part of the um, civil rights movement and all that kind of stuff. You know, you know Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, uh, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke. Uh, all really well portrayed. Like they nail all of these uh, act different acting roles, different characters. But specifically, the actor who plays Cassius Clay, the young, you know, pre Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay, with all of the uh, pomp and circumstance, the vigor, the confidence, the just everything, the mannerisms, everything's fantastic. What is so interesting though is that all of these. Uh, people are uh, kind of uh, just dealing with the civil rights movement, dealing with racism, dealing with just the times in co- from completely different perspectives. You know, um, Sam Cooke is someone who's having amazing success within the musical industry, but he, but he gets called out by Malcolm X for making kind of just like entertaining music just to, you know, make money and be successful and stuff like that. He's not really utilizing his gift to you know, for, for the civil rights movement, for the, you know, the progressiveness of, you know, the African-American community. Uh, Jim Brown is someone who is still viewed as, you know, as just a kind of a dumb athlete or something like that. There's a really great scene early on in the film where Jim Brown goes and sees someone and he's still treated as if he's, as if he's lesser because he's black. And it's really subtle, but also really powerful because at that point, Jim Brown is one of the you know greatest football players of his generation, and he's still treated in a certain way. And Malcolm X is dealing with infighting within his own community, and it's a really fantastic different dynamics going on. And Regina King 
directs the hell out of this movie given what she has to work with which is an adaptation of a stage play so everything is pretty much set with all within this one like motel hotel room in miami and and you don't have much to work with in terms of spacing and things like that but i think she utilizes it the best she possibly can and regina king over the last five to six years or so has been probably one of the most uh, you know successful just people I think in the Hollywood industry or the acting or movie or television industry just racking up the awards over and over again really putting out some fantastic work so I have no doubt in my mind she's going to get nominated whenever the Oscars are happening I mean she's really you know put on one of the best films of the year so that's One Night in Miami highly recommend checking that out it is um it's on Amazon so you can you can stream it on Amazon if you have Amazon Prime um, but my number three now is another film that Dan talked about. And this film was actually my number one for the longest time as well. And this movie actually bumped... Um, uh, what did it bump? It bumped Sorry We Missed You. Bumped that one down. Then One Night Miami also bumped Sorry We Missed You down. But this is never, rarely, sometimes, always. And this is a film I saw you know, much earlier in the year. I think it came out back in April. And yeah, like what Dan said, this is a really, really low-key, um, just kind of, not simple, it's simple in its presentation, but complex in all of its other realms, and which, which is what I really loved about it. Because it is about, you know, these two friends traveling to have this procedure done, the, the abortion done in a different place, in a place that's not really you know, comfortable for them. I think they're from a much smaller town in Pennsylvania, so it's part fish out of water, but part existential and heavily thematically well done. And just a harrowing story of kind of the shattering of um, of innocence in several different ways. You know, it really, it, you know, these, these two girls have to come to a mature level and make a very mature decision at a very quick pace. And it's not so much about the procedure of the abortion itself it's the journey to get through it to get to it both physically literally getting there and mentally having to get there and that journey that they go on together and that bond that they have is really what carries the film and yet again it's another film that it's very timely very contemporary in what it's addressing and i was just blown away by just its honesty and its rawness in terms of you know uh, what it's showing what it was depicting so that's never, rarely, sometimes, always. I I really hope this gets a Blu-ray release soon because it's been out for, you know, almost a year yet now, and I don't believe it has one yet. But I really want to add that to the collection. But my number two is, coincidentally, uh, Steven's number two, Minari. Holy shit. What, what do you know? Once again, Steven and I are on the same page. Um, you can see how we share the same brain sometime. Um, Minari was a movie that I heard about all of last year, and it took literally forever to try to try to finally watch this movie. Um, I don't know what it what it is still. It's even during a pandemic, where they just won't release these really small independent films on streaming much much earlier than they do, because people will watch it if you give it to them. I say this every year. If you if you release it, they will come. To kind of quote uh, Field of Dreams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Stephen said, this this stars uh, Stephen. Steven Yoon, and it's about a Korean family that has to that that migrates from not only Korea 
but from California into pretty much the middle of nowhere in in rural Arkansas to kind of pursue, you know, the quote-unquote American dream, you know, the idea of the self-made person or the self-made family, you know, rags to riches story or whatever you want to, you know, call the American dream. And it really shows how hard or how rather probably fictitious that dream is because it's a fantasy and a fallacy and it probably doesn't really exist. And But this family still tries to pursue it and kind of all these step falls, you know, all the, you know, trials and tribulations that they have to go through to, go through to get it. Um, one of the best aspects of this movie um, is the actress who plays the grandmother who comes and lives with them and creates a whole new aspect to the culture of the family and the aspect of the family and her interaction with her grandchildren and all that kind of stuff. She is amazing in this movie. She is really, truly, absolutely incredible. And I don't know if she if she's going to get any type of awards recognition or anything like that, but I think it's it's... It's something to point out that she was also really, really good. It reminds me of the the actor, the actress who was in the farewell, um, that film, and she and, and just these really kind of elderly pillars of families and just their dynamic and how important they are, and if and just their function in the family. It's really, really an amazing performance. I think all the performances are really good. But like Stephen said, it's a slice of life movie. It's <clears throat> it's very similar to. Uh, like a Terrence Malick film, it's on that same level, on that same vibe of, of a Terrence Malick film for me. Um, it's it's really really good. So I highly recommend Minari if you can find it. <laughs> I, but I yeah, think it's well, go. I, I think it's coming out February twelfth, which is next week, next Friday. So yeah, it'll probably I, be available. I, I would have never seen it if I wouldn't have gotten some special link from somebody. Correct, sir. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But um, all right. Well, here we are to the We're finale. Uh, we are on the finale. The finale, uh, the number ones of, of all of us. So, Dan, what is your number one? Uh, my number one is a film that uh, Stephen already talked about. Um, it's a, a Possessor? Movie. Possessor? Uh, unfortunately I not. Wish. I did like Possessor. Oh, I did like Possessor, though. Um, yeah, Possessor's awesome. Yeah, I did like Possessor. Um, I, I'm a fan of Andrea Riseborough in a lot of things. Not Mandy, but other things. <laughs> Well, you're you're you know, you're not you're not invited to the Nicolas Cage podcast. I know you're not invited to that podcast. We're starting. I, was, I knew you were gonna go uh, be not happy with that. But no, um, it's a film that uh, Stephen already talked about. It's a film that ever since I saw it, I really it really resonated with me, and it it's just you know I'm a big fan of um, great cinematography and the camera work and and whatnot and and and, and capturing things in, in the way that they should be captured and and the cinematography for me in in along with the acting by Francis McDormand is just absolutely breathtaking in Nomadland and and it's it's just kind of like this film where it's like she's going she's going about her life and you know she's not doing anything extravagant she runs into a group of folks in Arizona and she works for Amazon and all this stuff it, but it just really kind of hits home how hard life can be for people. And it's not easy to just to be able to live your life, pay your bills, you know, keep your house going and so forth. There's a lot of people in this country that are really struggling. They're, 
you know, they're poverty stricken. This woman's living in her van, you know, not down by the river, but, you know, she's living in a van. And, um, <laughs> and you, yes, Chris Farley. Yeah, I know. That's a deep cut Chris Farley reference. Yeah. But, um, I just, I just really, I mean, Chloe Zhao, I mean, the writer was just such an incredible, incredible film. And she just takes these kind of slice of life kind of stories that a lot of people, people, things that are forgotten, people forgot, you know, poverty stricken people, the, you know, people that don't have a lot of money, they're just kind of sitting on the side of the road in a box or something. They're forgotten. They're the kind of bull riders. They're forgotten. Nobody thinks of bull riders, you know? And she takes these subject matters and she really puts a lot of heart and, and, and love into these, um, into these stories. And, and, and Frances McDormand, she's won two Oscar Academy Awards already. And, and I, I think she's going to win a third. I'll be honest with you. I think she was completely different than her last two roles, but in such a great way in this film as well. So I had Nomadland as my number one film of the year. Yeah, Chloe Zhao. Um, you know, she's really going to be hitting that slice of life when she does her ne- has her next film out about <laughs> the about outer space. Uh, you know, well, the slice what of after life. that is about Dracula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's just been announced that she's going to be doing the the new Dracula. So that you know, and I'm hearing it's going to be in a nice new direction, kind of like Invisible Man. So I'm I'm excited about that. It's going to be a sci-fi western Dracula movie, apparently. Yeah, um, that could be interesting. So I'm excited, but yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Now this is where we can stop because I'm going to tell you my number one. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, we'll skip Andrews. We no, <laughs> no um, so my number one is one that you guys talked about way back at the beginning of this podcast, and I'm going to correct this because this should be all your number ones. I'm just kidding. Um, my number one uh, is Promising Young Woman. Nice. Um, I am a very big fan of like. <sighs> these type of like almost satirical type of movies. I mean, it's not necessarily a satire, but it's also, it really is pointing out kind of the, uh, oblivious nature of how bad men can treat women. Um, and kind of just like points it out and makes fun of men for it. Like there's scenes in this movie where they make men out to be babies and they say like, "Oh my God!" Like they sound like babies. They sound like, and I'm like, "That's how men. That's how they can sound sometimes." And we just let them get away with it. Um, and it's just such a. It's a movie that talks about hard. It talks about hard subject matters, and then at the end, decides to push it even further, and goes in a direction you didn't really thought think it would go that way, but it did. And it uses that ending to enforce its its point even harder. Um, and I just love how this movie comes full circle. Um, and it's just a brilliant it's a brilliant movie. Um, and like you said, Carrie Mulligan, you know, I think we're used to seeing her do a lot more downbeat movies. I think she plays a lot more germ- like like whether it be you know the one she did with, uh, well, I mean, Drive. She's in Drive. Mm-hmm. She kind of plays kind of a low-key character there. Um, the one he, she did with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, what was it called? Uh, Dan, Paul Dano's movie. Wildlife? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, she, you know, she plays, she's a, a wife in a <clears throat> kind of a joyless marriage there. You know, so it, she plays a lot of downbeat roles, but this one, she really gets to be kind of vibrant um, 
and kind of edgy and um she was very fun to watch and like you said the 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 marketing for this movie kind of makes this out to be almost like a revenge movie um where the, and, and honestly i thought that's what i was going to get i thought i was going to get her knocking off some fucking assholes tried to rape her or something nope that's not what happens but i don't want to ruin it for you you should just watch the damn movie um cuz i promise that it's good <laughs> oh promise uh, i used oh, the title well played i know but it is very, very good film, um, and um, that's all I got to say. Nice. You got, yeah. So now, uh, I'll speak for Andrew. Um, this is his number one, and it's the number one. You know, this is where it stops here. <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, yeah, it's my number one is Nomadland, which Dan and ah. I talked about. Um, I like how Dan and I's list kind of interweave with one another. I almost have a combination of Dan and Steve and Steven's list as my own. By by complete accident, but yeah, Nomadland is uh yeah it's Chloe Zhao's newest film, and Chloe Zhao has another movie coming out this year, uh, which is completely different than anything that uh, you're gonna see from her in the past, and that is oh no it's coming out next year in it in Eternals is Eternals coming out next year November yeah November so this year yeah I yeah. forgot what year we were in because it says 2021. <laughs> times kind times kind of funny like that, but anywho, yeah, talk about a completely different abandonment of a nomad land or the writer, or even her earlier film, which I've seen uh, songs my brothers taught me, which is also really good. Um, but yeah, so nomad land is like Dan said, it's a film that's so beautifully subtle and just gorgeous movie, aesthetically, thematically, the acting is brilliant. Um, I think the only, like, real actors you get in this movie are Francis McDormand and, and, um, David Strathairn. I think the rest of the people in this movie are real people from the nomad community, if you will. Uh, real people that they got to be in the movie who live their lives as nomads, traveling around, whether they have vans or trucks or, you know, uh, uh, RVs or whatever, and just seeing, you're seeing a culture that is, like Dan said, completely invisible or ignored entirely or just not even known about in general due to, yeah, due to ignorance, I guess. And you're just getting a glimpse into their lives and the film doesn't portray them, you know, for us to pity them or for us to feel bad for them in any way. It just gives us an insight into their mindsets and their culture and why they're nomads and how they live their life in a very um, kind of uh, kind of intelligent and survivalist way. Like they have all kind of contingency plans uh, uh, to, to deal with all of the worst case scenarios. Like if they're in the middle of nowhere and you know, their their vehicle breaks down. How, how are they going to survive? If they get a flat tire, do they have a replacement for it? You know, what do they do, like, like Dan said, for money? You know, working, like, really short, like, quick jobs wherever they stop. You know, whether it be, you know, at, like, fast food restaurants or an Amazon um, warehouse where apparently Amazon will, like, pay your living expenses and things like that just for you to, like, work for them for, like, a month or two or whatever. Uh, so I didn't know about any of those types of things, about how, how those kind of factory worker, you know, bl very blue-collar jobs work. And it was a really interesting insight. And to see Francis McDormand really 
throw herself authentically into this role to really give herself over to, you know, to looking like she belonged in that life. Um, was really ph phenomenal for me to see. She is slow, not slowly. She is probably one of our greatest actresses working, just from uh, just from a critical standpoint. I think she is. If she gets that third Oscar, I don't mean to keep harping on the whole Oscar thing because it's never the end all be all. But if she gets that third Oscar, I think she's going to be tied with Meryl Streep for uh, as many Oscar wins, and that's kind of a big feat because I don't think that she's ever you know, brought up in the same sentence as Meryl Streep, but she's going to have as much, you know, award success as her. Well, or I mean, success. You, could also, you could also say she probably hasn't been nominated nearly as many no, times as Streep that's has. No, that is Streep's also true. Street, so you could say her average would be better. Yeah, her, her hitting average would be better. Yeah. I mean, when she hits, she hits, you know, she hits home runs. Yeah. You know, and that's what I, I really kind of appreciate about Frances McDormand. Um yeah, it's it's a really great film. And yet again, it's a very reserved film, but it's saying a lot by doing very little, which I think is a really tough thing to pull off. It, what's that old cliche that I bring up in like every couple episodes? It's a film about nothing, but a film about everything. Um, yes, yes. And it's very much, I think, attributed to Nomadland. Definitely, definitely. Well, we made it to the end of the list. Now, this is where things can get off the rails, and, and I want to I preface this with... Give me three to five movies <laughs> as honorable mentions because we could sit here and run off Everything. many movies, um, and <laughs> it wouldn't be fair to the uh, the audience if we went on forever. Also, um, we all want to be able to say something about that the other person hasn't said. So let's not uh, just take all the all the movies. So Dan, give Done. me give me three to five movies that you didn't get to put on your list that you enjoyed. Well, I'll talk about some that you guys didn't already mention. Very, very quickly, too. Not, just, just not name, like yeah, what just we name did. them off, basically. We're brisking through them. We're, yeah, not, yeah. we're not talking about them in any, you know. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. No, you're right. Um, the Donut King, a phenomenal documentary about a guy who comes from nothing and becomes the king of donuts. Oh, my the God. Delicious. Great. Great documentary. Um, the Father. Oh, Anthony Hopkins. And Olivia just bring you into this world of a man with dementia, uh, and you just feel like you have dementia by when you're watching this movie. It's really crazy. Um, Beanpole, another Polish film mm. about uh, uh, abortion and, and babies and stuff like that. Um, uh, Life Ahead. So, uh, Loren, uh, something Loren. What's her name? Um, Sophia, Sophia Loren. Loren. And about Italy, and, and, and it, it's, a, it's a really good little small film uh, coming out of Italy uh, that I recommend. It's on um, on uh, Netflix. Netflix right now. Uh, First Cow uh, talks a little bit about um, commodities in this country and how we create commodities and, and how things are developed into things that the country uses and needs. Uh, very interesting story uh, about First Cow. Baby Teeth, another really small movie uh, about this girl, and she's just trying to discover herself. Uh, uh, you know, um, that's pretty that's... much it for me. All right. Well, I'll run through a few. Um, how about, um, look, I, I, I'll do it. Bill and Ted uh, 3, the third one. Nice. Um, uh, the Face of Music. I, you know, I mean, it's a fun, I, that, to me, I think they did a great job of bringing that back. And giving the fans what they would have wanted, um, and uh, I, I can't. I, I need to buy it 
I have the other two. I need to buy it. Um, also, how about we talk about? I guess Palm Springs. Palm nice. Springs. I thought was a, was one of the better <clears throat> comedies this year. You kind of get a kind of another version of the Groundhog's Day, but set in this at this wedding. Um, you got Andy Sandberg and who was our female counterpart? Kristen Milioti. Okay, so well, there's Dan. He's pulling it. Um, yeah, it was a good pull. And um, yeah, it's just a great kind of like uh, another incarnation of that story with some twists and turns. And I've always liked Andy Sandberg. I always think he's hilarious. Um, also, the Borat movie, the subsequent film, I nice. think was I think is better than the first movie because um, it has a little bit more direction. Um, a little bit more of a story, though, of course, a lot of this is just like little scenes that they created, uh, you know, in documentary style. Um, but there are some moments in this movie that just just belly laugh. I belly laughed because it was so outrageous. Um, and also, how about the movie Freaky? Um, oh, which wow. was which which was another movie that kind of was uh, playing on a trope that we've seen. Many times the whole, um, what, 16 going, uh, the, the, the kind of Freaky Friday thing, um, where they sw- you swap bodies with a young person. And, you know, so in this case, it was a serial killer swapping body with a, a young girl. And, uh, I thought that that was a, another very clever way of using that, um, kind of mixing genres, you know, like I did with Love and Monsters earlier, putting that on my list, you know, mixing genres up very interestingly. And then, how about I talk about um, I don't know. The assistant. Mm. The assistant um, was pretty good. Uh, an- another movie that's you know we're getting a lot of s- stuff about you know in the in the in the wake of like Harvey Weinstein and and the Me Too movement and stuff like that. We're getting a lot of other films about you know this subject matter where women being treated in the workplace and things like that. And this movie very much follows just a girl around she's an assistant working for a a movie produce producing company and getting to see how she's treated when she has problems and how you know so it's it's a very interesting watch um well that's what i got what you got andrew i got a couple uh that you guys didn't mention um i'm thinking of ending things the charlie kaufman film that's a netflix film i thought that if you want some surreal insanity that's a movie to watch uh, i'm still unpacking that movie and i still don't quite know what i don't what to make of it but it's it's i just love those types of movies that just mess with your head um emma which is another adaptation of the, of the emma story uh this one's starring anya taylor joy who's having who had a great 2020 really great 2020 um this it's a really good uh talk about satire you know it's 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 based off the jane austen novel it's really good i really enjoyed it. i saw that way back early in 2020 um mangrove and i would honestly say all of the small acts uh movies to give those all a watch yeah i left that one for you buddy yeah thank you i thought man <laughs> i thought mangrove was it was really fantastic there's what mangrove there's lovers uh, rock is the lovers one rock are, yeah. uh, red, red white, white and blue. blue alex whittle and education right yeah, yeah, yeah education all of them. yeah that's, that's all, all of them. them. I mean, some yeah. people are treating them all as like grouping them all together, but they're all each individual films with anthology. thematic through lines through them. It's an um, anthology. Yeah, it's an anthology. Um, um, 
I mean, a lot of people didn't quite like this film, but it was some somewhere up there for me. Mank, which is David Fincher's newest film, I'm always I'm always down for a Fincher film, um, even some even a Fincher film that may not be his best film. I was I always find interesting, and this movie also has kind of a personal um, connection with me because I just love Citizen Kane and Orson Welles. I just I just love Orson Welles. Um, uh, News of the World, which is you know Tom Hanks' newest film, uh, Paul Greengrass. Um, I think it's a re- is is a reteam for them, um, and it's a really solid kind of old school like western type movie. I really enjoy that. The forty year old version is another Netflix film I think is I think is really good. Um, um, also want to talk about some stuff that just kind of way off the list in uh, Spontaneous, which is a really great kind of young like teenage existential film that is partly comedic but also very like uh, dramatic as well. And could be quite a little bit satirical in in there in there as well. Uh, Saint Francis is another film that's really underrated, kind of an indie film, but also really good. Um, yeah, I could go on forever, but I think those are those are good. Yeah, yeah. I really wish I could have uh, been more in the loop this year, man. I just I had a lot going on. I got married. I I, I moved into a house. I the goddamn virus around. Correct. So many damn things that just got in the way. Dan, it didn't let Dan. It didn't stop Dan though. Dan just watched everything. No, but That's I mean streaming. Like, Everything's on streaming, guys. It's on. on, on God, I mean, it's, it's, it's so disgusting. It's, <laughs> let I, me back in my theater. Yeah, Stephen's more of a purist. I mean, I um, but Stephen, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it where it. I'll watch it where it's at. I'm gonna but say it's, like it, you don't have to like not watch them because the year was. No, nah, I know. I'm just messing around. I just, <laughs> I honestly, I just didn't have time. I honestly, really just I, yeah I hear you I yeah I, I honestly hate right now uh because I'm still trying to like uh, not catch up again fill in the gaps from 2020 and all the 2021 movies are coming out right now in like like every single week a whole bunch of them just keep dropping and it's like I can't I can't keep up with the 2021 movies which I when I have to finish the 2020 movies so yeah, that's maybe. that's a stre- that's a streaming problem. There's too much to stream now. There's too much, man. <laughs> Things are gonna always fall between the in the cracks because there's just too much out there. I say thank um, you, HBO Max. Thank mm-hmm. you. I guess. <laughs> but um yeah, nice. Well, that's it for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Um we you know, if you didn't like our lists, well, sorry. Um too damn bad. But if there's something we left <laughs> off, just please leave us a comment. Let us know what you liked. Um Hey, where can we find you, Dan? You can find me at disappointmentmedia.com. Uh, you'll find most of my reviews pretty disappointing. Uh, no, I uh, just joke. I'm just joking. Hopefully you'll enjoy my dis- my reviews. I write for a website called Disappointment Media. Uh, that's D-I-S-A-P-P-O-I-N-T-M-E-D-I-A.com. Also, I have a blog, which Stephen kind of alluded to earlier, uh, from the fourth row at wordpress.com. So, uh, yeah, those are my pretty much Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, uh, Dan Skip Allen, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Andrew, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla 6 as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can find me on Instagram at Cinema Discovery Project. Or on Letterboxd at Cinema Discovery. You can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Thank you once again for listening. And hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. Dan will too.